Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to week number two of Theology of Generosity. It is great to see you. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are with us for the very first time, I want to say thank you for giving up a little bit of your time on Sunday to respond to the greatness of God with us. It really is an honor for us to have you here. So thank you for coming. I too want to congratulate the class of 2019 and their parents as well. That's who really needs applause, I think, right? This class is kind of special to me because I have a child graduating this year, so for all the graduates and their families, I want to say that we are proud of you, and graduates, wherever life takes you, may all of you know that you always have a home here at Valley Point Church, and we just want you to know that, so congrats again to all of you. Okay, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, this has been a theme verse for us. And you can see these words on the screen. We have been using this verse as a guide for our year. Let's all say this together. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Great job. Because this has been a theme verse for us throughout the year, I know everyone has it memorized. So we're going to take it off the screen now. And we're all going to say it together. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Here we go. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's three parts to that verse that are very dynamic and have so much to say to us and how we should be living our lives today. Act justly love mercy, and walk humbly. I believe if we do that, if we actually said, let's get serious about living out Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and acting justly and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God, if we chose to do that, I believe we would become generous people. We're in this series right now thinking about a theology of generosity and what does it mean? How do you describe it? And how can you live a generous kind of life? Well, if we lived out what you find in Micah chapter 6, justice, mercy, and humility, I believe we would be generous people because justice, humility, and mercy would be flowing from us. And I think we would have this great understanding that we need to hold all of our lives and everything that we have with open hands and let justice, humility, and mercy flow. That brings us to our big idea for today. Please take out your talk notes and find a pen. Let's walk through this. Generosity is not something to fear as true joy. You could even say lasting joy. So generosity is not something to fear as true as lasting joy comes when giving to God and others. Now, generosity can be a frightening thing when we give things up and give things away to God 
and two others, that can be a frightening thing, but hopefully in our time together, as we continue to unpack a theology of generosity, we will discover that it is not something to fear because true joy comes when giving to God and to others. True joy, lasting joy. I think this is something we all want and we all desire, and it can come when we are generous, when we choose to live on less and live by faith so that we have something to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes. Let's think through that, okay? I want to drop into a story found in Exodus chapter 35 and chapter 36. If you have a Bible or a device, go ahead and find the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Old Testament. If you open up your Bible in the front, the first book is Genesis. If you keep turning to the right, eventually you will bump into the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is very interesting. Here's what we know about this book. After nearly 400 years of growth in Egypt, the infant nation Israel is now ready to leave behind the chains of slavery and seek a new homeland. So this is some historical context to the book of Exodus. 400 years of slavery. Now God's people, this infant nation, they've grown quite a bit. They're ready to leave the chains of slavery and find their own land. Exodus, as a book, narrates the liberation of Israel from Egyptian captivity and then the migration of God's new nation to the wilderness of Sinai. And if you have ever spent some time in the book of Exodus, you know all about the plagues and all of that. That's what happens. And we can read all about that in the opening chapters. And God uses all of that to bring his people into the wilderness of Sinai. What we find in the book of Exodus is broken up into two compartments, two different pieces. Chapters 1 through 18 relate Israel's exodus from bondage in Egypt, while chapters 19 through 40 record the instructions given by God on Mount Sinai to direct the life and the worship of the nation. If you have never read the book of Exodus, I would encourage you to give it a shot because it's so interesting. Again, broken up into two pieces, the first 18 chapters dealing with the Exodus and the release and the journey of God's people leaving, the only thing they had ever known for generation after generation after generation, slavery and bondage in Egypt. They leave that and then they begin to form this new life in a new place and in a new territory. Now, during the whole exodus, God gave to Moses the 10 commandments, right? These 10 rules for living. And we find that in Exodus chapter 20. They're out of Egypt, they're out of slavery, and God kind of sits them down to say, here's how we need to govern ourselves. Here are 10 commandments. Here are 10 rules that talk about how we interact with God And there's a few of the commandments that do that. And then the rest of the commandments talk about how we interact with other people. So the Ten Commandments are kind of fascinating. It talks about our relationship with God, how we can relate to him. And it also talks about how we can rightly be related to other people by by not murdering them and by not coveting and those kinds of things. That all happens in chapter 20 of Exodus. 
God gives to Moses these 10 rules for living. But there's life on the other side of that. What you find in chapters 37 and following is that the tabernacle, the temple, the church, you could call it, which the nation had never had because they were in another land and they were slaves and they were in bondage there. They didn't have their own place to worship God and respond to his greatness. And so what we find in chapters 37 and following is that the tabernacle, the temple, the church has been constructed. It is completed. It is a building of beauty. You can read all about this in Exodus, all these different pieces that were supposed to be a part of the tabernacle and the temple. It is a building of beauty that reflects the character of God and a path toward redemption. That's the tabernacle. This is really exciting. I love this stuff, and I can tell you're energized by what we're thinking through in Exodus, the Ten Commandments and the building of the tabernacle that reflects the glory of God and a path to redemption. What does any of this have to do with generosity? Well, quite a bit, actually. What we find in Genesis chapter 35, so before the construction is completed towards the end of the book of Exodus, what we find in chapter 35 is that Moses is talking to the people. He stands before the nation, really. He's addressing them. And he's talking about some skilled individuals, some craftsmen, who have the ability to build things like the tabernacle. And then Moses also talks about the generosity of people who gave so that the tabernacle could be built. And Moses is kind of encouraging the people, like, great job. We have skilled individuals who have the ability to construct and to build something that honors God. And a whole lot of people contributed to this so that we could actually have this type of building. That's what happens in chapter 35. Here's what we read in Genesis or Exodus chapter 36, verse 1. The Lord has gifted. And so Moses is still talking to the people and he says the Lord has gifted. That Hebrew word means to give or to hand down. So God has given, he has handed down to Bezalel, and Oholiab and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and all the others who were especially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued, get this, to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. We have to stop the generosity around here. We have more than enough. Imagine. (laughs) Verse 6. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, no more generosity. (laughs) Don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings, their contributions, 
were more than enough to complete the whole project. Quite fascinating. So here's what we find in Exodus chapter 36. We have the people. They have a project. Okay, God has given us rules for living. We're into this now. We are forming this nation. And we now have this project of building a sanctuary, a temple, a place to respond to the greatness of God and worship him. The people, the project, and then what you see displayed here in chapter 36 is extreme generosity. So much so that Moses has to come before the people and say, okay, you can stop now because we have enough. We're able to move forward. From chapter 36, I want to pull three thinking points that I believe speak to a generous life. Here's the first one. Everything needed to complete the project was in the hands of God's people. And I think that's really important for us to understand and know. And we can personalize that to our faith community as well. Everything needed to complete the project, everything that was needed to do what God asked of them to do as a nation, as a faith community as well, was in the hands of the people. Chapter 36 tells us there were skilled individuals who knew how to build. They were craftsmen and they were really good at it. But beyond those skilled individuals, there was also a whole nation that kept bringing offerings so that there were materials that could be used for the construction of this particular sanctuary. There's just a whole lot that's happening here. The point being, everything needed to complete that project was in the hands of God's people. Thinking point number two, when God provides and we give, good things happen. God provided skills for the people. He also provided materials to them, which they were all willing to use. When God provides, whatever it may look like, and we give, we become generous. We choose to let loose and live on less and live by faith so that God can accomplish his purposes. Good things can happen. If you continue to read in the book of Exodus, you'll eventually come to chapter 40. It's the closing chapter in the book, and it really speaks to the significance of that sanctuary and how important it was and how vital it was to the nation. They could point to that and say, God, he's there. And look what he did in and through us. God is with us. And they had that physical and visible reminder of what God had done for them. Chapter 40 is a great chapter because it speaks to the importance of that sanctuary, much like our real home and the value and the importance of it to us and to what God has asked us to do. I love the story because in so many ways, it parallels what happened in our journey of moving from the middle school to our real home, God working in unique ways and providing what we needed in the people's hands. When God provides and we give, good things happen. It happened in Exodus chapter 36. I think it's still happening today. And that's part of our narrative. It's part of our story, which is incredible. 
Thinking point number three, a nation benefited from the generosity of God's people. See, that tabernacle represented the presence of God. They could point to it and say, he's there, God with us. That was a really important thing, and the whole nation could look at that and recognize what had happened. A nation benefited from the generosity of God's people. And because they chose to live on less and give of their skills and give of these materials that were needed, because they chose to live on less and live by faith, they were able to see the purposes of God come to life in their own generation and in their own lifetime with the completion of that particular tabernacle. And they had a story to share forever of look at what God did. It's it's right there. It's not back in the past somewhere. It's right there, right in front of us. And I believe they did all of that with a tremendous amount of joy. Okay, I think this is remarkable. The story of God's people, and in particular, this amazing story of generosity in Exodus chapter 36, people just giving so much that they had to say stop, and they were able to see the purpose of God actually come to life in their own generation. I think all of this is remarkable, and why giving, why generosity is not something to fear. Because good things happen when we share what God has given to us, which it's all from him anyway, when we give of that, good things happen. I believe the people of God saw that in Exodus, and I think we're seeing a lot of that happen today, and that's why generosity is not something to fear. But let's just keep it real, okay? And let's be honest. Being generous and intentionally choosing to live on less and live by faith so that I have something to share with God, so that he can accomplish his purposes, can be a frightening thing, a frightening thing. And so let's just acknowledge that tension, and I want to speak into that for a little bit and share some of my personal story when it comes to being a generous individual as well and how God just somehow comes through again and again and again, and it can't always be explained, but that's just what God does. Let me begin by sharing this. Imagine two friends, Mike and Joe. They get together for lunch one day, and they begin talking about all kinds of things, including what's happening in their financial worlds. And so Mike looks at his friend Joe, and he says, Joe, I have this financial goal of getting from point A to point B. And it's a really big deal. It's important for me. It's important for my family and our future. So I have this goal of getting from point A to point B, and I believe it's going to take 100% of my financial resources to get from point A to point B. It's going to take everything. And so... Mike and Jim, or is it Joe? No, I don't even remember. (laughs) I guess they're not good friends after all. So let's go with Joe. Is that what we're doing? Mike and Joe, they talk about this a little bit. And Joe says, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I get it. And he looks at his friend and says, you know what? I, I have a financial goal as well. 
and I need to get from point A to point B, but I don't think it's going to take 100% of my resources. I think I can do it on 90%. (laughs) It's like, no way. There's no way you're going to be able to get from point A to point B financially on 90% of your resources. There will not be enough. There will not be enough. But, but talk to me. How, how do you plan to do that? And so Joe talks to his friend and says, well, you know what? I want to achieve that goal on 90% of my financial resources because I'm working hard to be a generous person. And I want to give a portion back to God so that he can accomplish his purposes. And then he said this to Mike, I do that by giving a tithe to my church. Joe threw out the word tithe. Well, the translated word tithe is derived from a Hebrew word that comes from the number 10. What would often happen in biblical times is that people would come to the tabernacle, which we just read about a little bit in Exodus. People would come to the church and they would give of what God had given to them. And that was their act of worship. It was also a tangible way for them to communicate to God, I'm holding everything with open hands. God, you've given me everything. I'm just going to give a small piece back to you. That's the tithe. To think about it in today's terms, tithing would be giving 10% of what we have back to God, giving 10% of my income, which is kind of interesting because it's not really my income, right? That's all from God anyway. And so we're just giving a little bit back to him, choosing to live on less so that we can live on faith and God can accomplish his purposes. And so Mike and Joe, they talk about this and uh, Joe in the process says, not only am I going to make it from point A to point B on 90% of my finances so that I have something to share with God, but along the way, Mike, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have a lot of C stories. Mike's like, what? What's a C story? I've never even heard of that. Joe said, well, a C story is just sometimes what God does when people choose to get generous and answered prayer, an unexpected blessing, a new opportunity. Every Christ follower I know who has ever chosen to live this way, to live on less, to live by faith, so that they have something to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes, Every Christ follower I know who's ever chosen to do this has some kind of sea story. And they are extraordinary. Just extraordinary. Answer prayer. Unexpected blessing. A new opportunity. And so they talk about this for a little bit and Mike looks at his friend Joe and says, I I don't think you should do that. That sounds a little crazy and irresponsible, and I still think you got to get from point A to point B with 100% of your financial resources, but inside of Joe, he knows he wants to do this because he wants to honor God and hold everything with open hands and give something back. 
I want to let you know personally that Tanya and I have chosen to live this way. That's a choice we've intentionally made. To live on less and live by faith. And that's really what this is. I think anytime you give to God, you're saying, I'm going to live by faith because I'm giving this back. But we've chosen to live on less, live by faith so that we can share with God here at Valley Point Church so that God can accomplish his purposes in our communities and around the world. And I don't share that with you because that makes me better spiritually or it makes me more mature in some way. It doesn't do that at all. And I hope you hear that. It doesn't make me better in any way. What it does, though, is it gives me a reliance on God and great joy, great joy. And I would never stand before you. At least I work hard at doing this. I would never encourage and challenge you to consider doing something that I'm not already doing myself. That would make me fake and inauthentic, and I don't want to be that type of leader. So we're doing this, and I can tell you, we have just a ton, a ton of sea stories. And this isn't always easy, and I can't always explain it. But I don't think you can always explain God. And that's a great thing too because that's the whole faith element. And we just have a ton, a ton of sea stories and I wouldn't trade those for anything in the world. Answered prayer. Unexpected blessings. And new opportunities. As a result of intentionally choosing to live on less and live by faith so that we can share something with God so he can accomplish his purposes. Let me share some takeaways with you that will hopefully make sense of all of this and how there can be joy and not fear in choosing to live on less, okay? Number one, run into the fear. You know, often we run from fear and that's okay to do sometimes. I would encourage everybody here, run into the fear and consider and pray through a 90-day tithe challenge. If you've never thought about this before, Like, wow, I just didn't know that was even a thing. Then I would encourage you to run into the fear of living on less and living by faith so that you can share something with God so that he can accomplish his purposes. Try a 90-day tithe challenge and just see what God does. See what he does. Test him and look and identify a couple of sea stories along the way. I think you'll be amazed You can give online, and that's how I choose to give to Valley Point and to God's work here and around the world. It's convenient and easy. You can give here on Sundays as well as you exit at the baskets. By the way, you will be receiving an email soon that will outline for you a new giving platform that we will initiate that is user-friendly and simple and I think something that will help with the process of being generous. So be looking for that email. Okay, number two. If you find giving easy, maybe it's time to challenge yourself to a new level. <laughs> maybe it's time. And maybe you're hearing all this, like, yeah, you know, I do that, I've done that for years, and I'm used to it, and it's okay, and I'm there. Uh, if giving is really easy, then I would encourage you to stir the pot a little bit and test God in a new way by going to a new level and see if you don't have a few stories along the way as well. And then number three, are you giving credit to God 
for what he has given to you by giving back to him. And ultimately, that's the heart of this, that we're giving credit to God for what he has given to me by giving just a little bit back to him. Okay, the big idea. Generosity, it's not something to fear. It is not something to fear. As true joy and lasting joy comes when giving to God and giving to others, I want to invite you into the generous joy of giving to God and giving to others. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you thankful for this unique story tucked away in the book of Exodus. It's a story of generosity and how you worked in and through this new nation. They had a project. They had something that they needed to complete that was important for the faith development of their lives. And you provided everything they needed right in their own hands. They had skills and they had stuff to give and boy, they got generous. And the tabernacle, the sanctuary was constructed and it was a building of beauty that displayed you and your love for all. God, I believe those kinds of things can still happen when your people get generous. God, we talked last week about how we should hold everything we have with open hands because it's all from you. You are the one who has blessed us with our wealth, our homes. You've blessed us with our intellect and our education and our ability to achieve and earn and close deals and all of the stuff we do, God. All of that is from you. And so as a way to honor you and as a way to thank you and as a way not to get too attached to ourselves and to our stuff, we give back. We give back. And in doing that, we choose to live on less, live by faith. So we have something to share with God so he can accomplish his purposes. God, I pray that you just stir in our hearts. Help us to listen to whatever it is that you might be whispering to us about what we should do with your money and your finances that you have entrusted to us for a season. God, help us to be ready to be obedient to you. Give us a great week of living generously. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.